Welcome to the Wide Open Podcast. You asked for it. You told us you want us to step up our game, and we did it. So tonight, we are live from the JCR Pits at round eight of the NGPC in beautiful Lake Havasu City, Arizona. We are also streaming live from our new YouTube channel, Wide Open Podcast. So this is we're really excited to bring you a, a new edition of the Wide Open Podcast. Bear with us. We may have some a uh, couple of bumps along the road as we do this, uh, but we want to try and do something a little different, find a better way to get out uh, lots of information and, and do something where we can help you guys, uh, the, the off West Coast off-road racer, kind of get in tune with what it is we're doing on the West Coast and get to know the people that, uh, that make all this stuff possible and the people that are out here racing it. But first, let's get to business. As we always do on the Wide Open Podcast, we like to thank the people that make this uh, make the podcast possible. And from the very beginning, our main sponsor, the number one guy that's been behind everything that we're doing, is Rad Custom Graphics. It's Ryan Abitoy. Um, I'm actually wearing I'm wearing hats made by Ryan. I'm wearing a shirt made by Ryan. In a minute, you're going to see other T-shirts that are made by Ryan. Ryan is the man when it comes to getting your graphics made for your bike. You got T-shirt needs. You want hats embroidered. Anything that you want, Ryan's the man. He can get it for you. And you can reach out to Ryan at radcustomgraphics.com, uh, and he will hook you up with whatever it is, uh, whatever it is that you need. He's the guy for it. So a little later in the podcast, we're going to get to talk to the JCR team discuss uh, their 2019 season, the successes that they've had in 2019, and what it is they're looking forward to for 2020. But first, uh, before we do any of that, I want to introduce the new co-host of the Wide Open Podcast, Scott Perkins. Hey, uh, awesome. How did I get uh, tricked into doing this? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. One of those hashtag beat Perkins things, and, and you lost, so now you're here. Well, I lost today because I didn't race, but... Hey, happy yeah. Saturday from Lake Havasu. <laughs> Absolutely. So, listen, uh, I'm sure you, you, if you follow it, either one of us on social media, you see the banter that we have back and forth. And if you see us at the races, uh, we, we give each other a, a lot of grief. Uh, but we couldn't be uh, better friends. And it's all in good fun. And, you know, at the end of the day, what it is we're really interested in is trying to promote off-road racing, West Coast off-road racing. And Scott is in the know with the, with a lot of the stuff that happens, uh, you know, with all West Coast off road racing. So there's no no better person to be, you know, to, to come in and join in on what it is that we're we're trying to do here, which is to promote not just District 37 racing, but anything that's happening on on the West Coast. Um, but for the purposes of tonight, we're going to talk about a couple of things that are that are that have happened in uh, you know in District 37. Uh, some things that we're we're happy with, some things that we we see that maybe we can make some improvements on for 2020. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get uh, get started talking about that. So one of the biggest things that we had happening in District 37 for 2020 was the creation of the new Sprint Enduro Series. And, man, that thing just came out of the gate like gangbusters. We started with a round hosted by by Hilltoppers MC at 29 Palms. They were able to use some some property back behind uh, where they were, uh, where they normally hold their, their Grand Prix. And it was kind of a test run. We didn't really know what we were going to get ourselves into, uh, you know, how that how it was going to work or how the series is going to evolve and we got a lot of a lot of great feedback and a lot of riders came to that event to, to come try out something new um, and then we followed that up with the uh, I think the next round that we had was hosted by Los Coyotes uh, MC they hosted that was actually hosted in the desert and it was an ISDE qualifier we saw the numbers grow uh, and then we rolled into what you know what was the most successful of the of the rounds that we had which was the race at uh that Prairie Ducks put on at Glen Helen. 
And so we got a lot of positive feedback about about that. I've I've raced a bunch of them. Scott's ra- you know, Scott, you you raced which one? Did you raced the the first one. Which one? You- uh, I raced the one the Prairie Ducks had at Glen Helen. So I mean, what's I mean, what's the feedback that you're getting from the riders? I mean, we we talked to everybody, and well, I mean, it it's it's been positive. I and mean, when we started off on a good note, um, you know, we ended we ended up uh, the last couple rounds had uh, less participation, uh, but I think. I think with the feedback we've been taking, um, the things that we're going to do and change and, and the listening to the riders that we have, I think that'll be something that'll benefit us next year. Yeah, so to touch on that, you know, we, we really, we look at the numbers closely and, you know, something, you know, that behind the scenes, what, what goes on, you know, Scott's on top of the numbers of everything that's happening within district, you know, when we see a bump, when we see a decrease, um, you know, how we're how we're faring against what other people are doing, you know, and, and not really because we're competing with anybody else because what we do here is what we do here. But, uh, look, I've, I've said from the get-go that I don't have any problem stealing any good idea that anybody else had if I think that it's going to help you know, our ridership. We want to try and put on the best possible races that we can or, or help the clubs put on the best possible races that they can. And what we saw is that after the summer break that, the, that ridership really tailed off. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, with us having a – with a 20 race schedule or you being uh you being counted on your 20 races that we had so many races prior to the summer break that you know you you'd already uh, most guys had already gotten their 20 races you know before you got the summer break so they're they were really uh they really picked and choose what races they were going to race after the summer break and and those sprint enduros are can be challenging and so it wasn't something that anybody was looking to ride to try and knock up knock out a bad race that they might have had no, no, and, and I, I think you can look at it that way. I mean, we had a lot of races back to back to back at the end. I think we had eight or nine in a row. Um, so I think that had a little bit to do with it. Um, most people had gotten their races in for their points for the year, so it wasn't that, that important for them to attend. Um, one of the people it was important to was Preston Campbell. Uh, he ended up overall in that race, that last one. Uh, we're going to get a chance to talk to him tonight, so that's kind of cool. Get his feedback on, on the series because he's done the whole series. So that's, that's a good positive thing for us to end on. Yeah, dude, that race was was freaking epic. I mean, that's you know a big uh, a big kudos to to Jerry Grabo for for he put in a lot of work uh, to to go and and spend a lot of time going down there trying to work with the tribe to to get to convince them to trust us to go down there and, and respectfully use their land. Uh, and then and then Chris Deans from the Vikings. I mean, he their club didn't even put on, host one of those events, and he not. Not only did he lay out everything that was at Anza, he laid out all the, he laid out the loops that we ran at Twenty Nine Palms, and I mean the that that place is just amazing anyway. From the days that we were racing down there when it was the ranch, and so we kind of knew what we could expect by going down there. I know a lot of the riders were thinking the same thing, uh, you know, they wanted to come down and, and check it out, and you know, as it happens, I mean, it just it just freaking poured the entire weekend that we were there, but uh, it was just. It's got to be the first race in recent memory for me anyway where I didn't hear one person complain about the race and we're talking about a race you know we're standing around you know after I got done racing I was standing around with the, with you know with my club and we're underneath this tiny little easy up and it's just pouring rain we're all kind of crammed in together and everybody you know just in in whatever you could see in the hole from their helmet was everybody was bleeding from their face right there because you had to chuck your goggles because it was so so wet there was no point in having goggles and everybody's getting smacked in the face by branches and stuff like that and not one person complained about it it looked like like we'd just been through a title fight you know everybody was you know, everybody was all beat up 
And then the the toboggan ride to try and get out of the place. Oh, that <laughs> I'm telling you guys, if you if you've never seen a 40 foot motorhome drift, <laughs> you're missing out. And it wasn't just one; it was two. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was. Uh, it was something else. So, so to get back to the whole the sprint enduro stuff. So we we said at the very beginning that what we were planning on doing with that series was we were going to try a bunch of different things and ask for feedback from the ridership. And we've gotten a lot of feedback along the way. Things that riders really liked, things that riders you know wish that we would change, and things that they absolutely hated. And the clubs have really listened to that, and and they're taking what it is that they've learned from the races that they hosted in 2019 to make the series even better for 2020. So this is a this is a series that's here to stay. It's something that's really popular. Um, it's really being watched by by the industry um, as a it's another avenue for for riders to go ride and so we're taking the feedback that we can get from every place you know not from riders from from you know industry or manufacturer uh, representatives to try and make the series the best that it can possibly be for 2020 so if you rode it in 2019 and you kind of liked it you come back in 2020 you're going to really like it and if you liked it in 2020 or 2019 you're going to love it in 2020 yeah and i think i think it's important to kind of explain a little bit what that is. I, I'm not sure everybody understands what a sprint enduro is. And, and really, it's just, a, it's just a race that gets time. It's just a race that gets the clock. Um, there's generally, we have, what, three loops. They're all about three miles. Um, you got to do them anywhere from two to three times, depending on what skill level you are. And uh, you're just racing the clock. And at the end of the day, it's like, hey, man, I just beat Brian by one second. That, that's all it takes. It doesn't need to be five minutes, uh, which is what happens most of the time, but let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but just one second, one second is enough. Um, uh, it didn't happen today because I didn't race, but that's okay. And you can have one GP win. That's that's fine. I'll give you one. Here you go with um, your crazy math again. Uh, it, it, but it's my math, so it's, it's all that matters. Right. But, uh, um, you know, everything everything we're going to talk about, you know, for the rest of, you know, tonight and all through 2020 is all about West Coast Off-Road. And it's not just, you know, you mentioned it earlier. It's not just District 37 or NGPC or Big Six. Um, it's... It's everybody. I mean, we've got two national series on the West Coast. Yeah, uh, we've absolutely. got national hare and hound series. I mean, they're our partner in the nationals and the AMA. And you know, we got to make sure that you know everybody knows we're here. I think I think the West Coast kind of gets overshadowed by the East Coast. And you know, you've got GNCC, and they're you know hands down the biggest the biggest off road series. But you know, we're here too. So we're going to talk about everything. And I think I think it's going to be a fun thing. And and, you know, if you guys are sitting in your motorhomes right now, please come down here because I've got one fan here, I think. <laughs> and it's uh, Kurt. And he's sitting yeah, over there in Johnny's I, box fan. But I couldn't even get my wife to stay here and watch us. She wandered off someplace. Eh, we're, we're not exciting people, apparently. I guess not. So what our hope was with the Sprint Enduro Series was that uh, it was something that was, you know, the largest thing that we got going on, you know, here in District 37 is, you know, Big Six or NGPC. Hey, congratulations. I think that's the first time Did you got that right. First time I said it right. <laughs> um, and so, but, you know, those those racers, they're like, hey, we race eight times a year. We'd like to race a little more. And the, and the Sprint Enduro Series, we thought, was a, was a nice transition. It was something that might work for them. And we were hoping that what we could do with, with that series was get some more people to transition into traditional desert racing. And that's, you know, that, that's where my heart is. I, I love the desert racing. And so we got together and we talked to some clubs and, and they wanted to try and put together a series of races, a series of hare and hounds 
that that might be a little more palatable for for races that are coming from the sprint enduro series or maybe races that that just that couldn't couldn't chase the national series and they wanted to do something that was right here in, in district so they put together a four race hare and hound series uh four clubs got together uh, checkers dmc four aces and socal mc and they decided to put together these these four races now they're just desert points paying events and if you're not familiar with the way district 37 works you know you've got uh, events that pay desert points you've got events that pay uh, enduro points and you've got events that pay grand prix points and and most of those events have paid uh, up until 2020 they've all paid both sets of points they pay desert and whatever the other discipline is for 2020 the grand prix won't pay desert points anymore uh, the sprint enduros will continue to pay desert points for a couple more years and so they were trying to get more riders to come and race some of those races, and they came up with this Hare and Hound series. And since they paid desert points, they don't pay any special points, um, there was no way to really offer like a number one plate if you were the, if you were the guy uh, or, or girl that, uh, that was the number one person in that four-race series. But we wanted, to, we wanted to give something to the riders that, that would show that they were, they were the top dog when it came to racing uh, the Hare and Hounds. And so you can probably see the jacket that I'm wearing right now. We've been talking about a championship jacket for the Hare and Hound series, and this is it. I'm wearing it. It's made by it's made by Abitoy, and so it's got the logo on it. And on the other side, it's going to have uh, it'll say what your class champion is. Now we're going to crown a class champion every every class, every skill. So, for instance, the the vet, whoever is the top vet novice, you're going to get this jacket, and it's going to say class champion, you know, vet novice, and only one guy gets that jacket, or one girl gets that jacket. Everybody else that races those races, if they're not the number one person, they don't get it. So when you're rolling around wearing this jacket, you know, like when I'm rolling around wearing this jacket next year, I can tell Scott, hey, jackass, I was faster than you, and I've got the jacket to prove it, and I'll wear it every single day, every time that I see you, so that you'll know that I was faster than you. Well. No, no well, it's happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think you're forgetting something important. What, you don't did you have to race to actually win something? Well, that's true too. <laughs> but uh, there's there's a guy in your class. Uh, what's his name? I don't he know. just went to ISD too. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know he's been there a bunch about. of times. Paul races as I think a senior. His name's Paul. No, he races as a senior. Paul Kraus, Kraus races as a yeah. senior. We're not gonna. He's not allowed to race as a mag. Hey. I talked to the steward. They're not gonna let him sign up he's, as a mag. He's gonna be the single reason you never wear that jacket beyond tonight. Well, then I'll I'll race two fifty. Then I only have to beat you. At least well. Then the, you know that's not going to happen. You're not faster than me in any discipline that I'm aware of. Anyway, yeah, you actually have to go and race a race to make to make that any of that happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, part of what you're busy with is uh, you are all things uh, NGPC, all things Big Six. So there's been some changes with the national series. Lots of people asking lots of questions, and I don't know anything about it. Okay. So. So I do. Yeah, God, I would hope so. Somebody's got to know. Kurt Heinz knows more than I do. Well, he's, he's over there talking. He's, he's busy talk talking to Faye. So he's talking to Faye Campbell, yeah. which, you know, I heard an interesting story today. Tell me. Uh, not today, yesterday, that uh, somebody had said they didn't even know Johnny Campbell was married. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, really? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know where these people go. Yeah, I don't they, know what races they, they attend. They live under a rock. But, uh, yeah, she, was at, she was handing out towels for us to wipe our goggles last weekend. Yeah, yeah, she was. She she did a good job of helping us out. Absolutely. And, and uh, so let's let's talk about NGPC. Um, you know, for for the longest time we've been big six. Um, 
I know that sounds kind of funny because we had eight clubs and eight races, but uh, right. Big Six is what it started with, and and that that name kind of stuck. So you know, even though we had eight races, we we continued on with that, and and you know, we worked um, hard. All the clubs worked hard. Um, the officers of and officials of you know Big Six worked hard. Kurt Hines, the chairman, uh, Justin Schultz, uh, Mike Garvin, Craig Hunter, uh, myself, um, and and a few other guys, and and. You know, we wanted to be a national. I mean, we we really want West Coast off road racing to be big, right? We we've been here a long time. All of us have, and and I don't know that we get recognized. And I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just don't know that people know that we're really here, right? So took us took us a couple of years. We we had to do some stuff, and and we you know we had to create a discipline with the AMA. So we had to do that first because Grand Prix were not considered a discipline. So we, you know we did that and. And, uh, you know, this year was the first year of that. So we're, we're at the end of the first year and, and, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a bunch of, uh, AMA national number one champions that we crowned today. Um, Gordon Tuber was one of them. Um, Justin Seeds won the heavyweight double A. Um, we'll see how he does tomorrow on the pro race. Um, and, and it's, it has worked out pretty good. I mean, we've had some, we've had some growing pains. We've had to, we've had to adjust stuff and, you know, I think, it's worked out pretty well. I mean, we do a good job of listening to, you know, what the writers want and their feedback and so forth. And, you know, after this weekend's over, we'll, we'll have an announcement. We've got quite a few changes coming for next year with, you know, how we time the races to keep on time, uh, number of play changes, um, national numbers now, because, you know, we we're a national, um, but we also have the Big Six Series still. It's still part of everything we do. So if you're a district person and you just want to do district races, you have that. So you still have an opportunity for right. a number one plate there. So explain how that how that's going to work because I get a lot of riders asking. You know, it's uh, you know we've added two rounds, you know, or, or two rounds have been added. So explain that. I mean, I I, I understand it, but yeah. So, so for, for the for the rider that wants to know, am I supposed to race ten races now or do I race eight races now? You know, explain that. So. So as a national, uh, one of the requirements is we have to have 10 rounds. So, you know, obviously we had eight rounds already, so we had to look for two other locations to race. And so um, we had the first year to get everything kind of in order and do our eight rounds and, and get everything in place. And, you know, Kurt Heinz, again, the chairman of the of the NGPC, he worked pretty hard in getting in contact in with other people. In case you're wondering, he's pointing because he's right he's right behind there. <laughs> yeah, he's he's on the other side yeah. of that and and I'm looking at the screen and I'm trying not to block Tara Geiger's plate number that 68 which is actually a number yeah. 1 cuz she won her uh, AMA national here. Right. Uh, G- NGPC championship in the women's pro class this year and she's already clinched it and um and so Kurt Kurt talked to numerous people and uh what we've got for 2020 is we've got two extra rounds that we're adding, so we're going to 10. Those 10 rounds, those two that we add are national points only. So if you don't want to travel, you don't want to follow beyond the eight that you've been doing for the last two years, five years, 10 years, you don't have to. You can, you can run the same eight that we've been doing, um, and you can, you, know, you can finish your year here. Uh, but we are... We are going to step out and do two other rounds. Um, the first one we're going to hit is going to be Mesquite. Uh, nice. We're going to end up there in May. Um, and then the second one we're going to add is going to be September. And we're going to end up uh, with the Polka Dots MC up at Hangtown, where they do the uh, first round of the outdoor motocross. Very cool. So we're going to we're going to start with there, and we'll start with 10. And, 
And I think the ultimate goal for us is to kind of take those and, and establish that and then kind of move around and find somewhere else, right? And, you know, if you're, if you're a current NGPC racer, you know, every, every class except for the Vintage and like the Revo and the Classics, um, they don't pay national points because AMA already has a national series for that. Um, so every race that you do is a big six. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you and you're laughing. And no, somebody's always to the yeah, right of me. Yeah, yeah. Kurt decided but, to... to to make faces. Ah, gotcha. So, <laughs> you know, you can, you can do every class has national points except for those vintage, um, classic Revo bikes because so they, they don't have to it. do anything extra when they purchase nope. their district 37 card, they're already being scored for the national points. Yeah. So every time you, you get your, you get your big six card, your GP card, and you will race your vet expert lightweight class. You are going to get big six points for that. And you are also going to get national points. It's automatically tallied. You don't have to do anything extra. It's it's already done for you. And you can you can go to uh, ngpcseries.com. The standings are there. You can see everything there. You can go to uh, district37ama.org. You can see the Big Six stuff there. There's also the mobile app, the Big Six Racing. So there's plenty of places for you to go. Uh, but I think I think what we realize is that not a lot of people know what we're doing. Right. And, and where to go to find it. So we've got, that's part of some of the changes I was talking about earlier, Brian, and, and we're going to cover that stuff and get that stuff out. Is there a throwaway for the national series? So, yeah. So re- this year there's one throwaway. Um, next year um, there'll be a throwaway as well. So it doesn't mean you have to attend every event. But yeah, but I mean, you may as well. It's not like it's a super far drive. And if you're going to race all eight races, you know, for your district points, you may as well hit at least one of them. So you're in the running for your national points. No, yeah, for sure. And, and I think one of, one of the things that was important to us as an organization was that if we're going to have the ridership travel a fair amount of distance, we wanted to make sure that there was amenities close by. So, you know, not everybody wants to drive like, and I'm, I live in Orange County. So, you know, it's a, it's a fair drive from there to here. And, you know, and, and if you're in a motorhome and you got a trailer and you got to spend that gas and oh, yeah. it's expensive. So and a lot of times it's easier just to throw your bike in the back of your truck and then just hit the road you can travel a lot faster you get here a lot sooner you spend a lot less in gas sure and you know you've got you know like our host hotel here every year is the uh nautical beachfront hotel so you know and they give a discount and we send out that code so you can book rooms and 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 it makes it a little easier so when we when we thought about moving those other two events and when we go to mesquite mesquite's got the hotels and the casino so if you're done racing you want to go over there you can do that um so it's it's important, and I, I think we've we've touched on that. But again, we'll we'll sit down just like we do with district and sprint enduros and hair and hound series, and we'll take the feedback and we'll make adjustments and we'll make it better. Yeah, totally. I t- I could not be more excited for the 2020 season with uh, you know w- with one of the things we hear about the most is just the conflicts between you know the. Uh, the different racing organizations. I mean, we're running basically the same types of events, and and to a cert- we're sharing riders to a certain extent, and it makes it difficult for some of the riders to continue to to race if they want to race multiple series because we wind up having conflicts, and and we don't have enough throwaways or didn't have enough throwaways for for riders to race both series, and we've managed to you know specifically with works we've managed to to work that out uh, collectively so that we can so that we don't have uh, any of those conflicts so riders can race both series. And what that does is that uh, it increases the amount of competition or the level of competition that you have, you know, in both series because, you know, I, I would expect that next year we're going to see 
um, riders that we don't normally see. I know that with the pro teams, it will, we will see that they don't have to commit to, to one or the other. They can commit to both. And, man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see the banner drop at Atalano and, and watch all of the fastest guys on the West Coast barrel into that first turn, and, and we can really see, you know, uh, throughout the course of a season, you know, who's the fastest guy. I mean, it's, as a ra- just as a racing fan, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I can't wait for it. Uh, no, I, I agree. I mean, and there's, there's some really, really fast cats, you know, oh, yeah. in off-road on, on this side of the on this side of the coast and the left coast, and it isn't you or I, but, um, well, <laughs> well, it's not you, you anyway, but, um, <laughs> you know, and, and we, we want to be able to, you know, have a place for them to showcase their talents. And I think that was one of the things that was also important is working with, you know, the other, the other series that we have and making sure that we don't conflict next year with dates because we've had conflictions and, and it forces people to choose. And we don't want people to choose to, you know, have to go where they want to go. We, we want them to have the option to do both. And, you know, for the pro side, yeah, it's important because, I mean, this is what they do for a living. Sure. Um, there's, not a, there's not a ton yeah. of money on this side, but, you know, there's, when you have the chance to race, you know, NGPC and you have the chance to go to Works, which is the other series that does what we do on the West Coast, yeah. and, and, and there's money involved, it gives them a chance to, to make a living and go as, as far as they can go. And, and I think that's important. It's what's going to help grow this side of the business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one last piece of district business, and then we're going to move on to talking to the JCR team. For those of you who are district regulars, um, every year we do an awards, an awards ceremony. And it moves around. You know, it's in Victorville sometimes, and sometimes it's in Long Beach. And you know, I've been going to those things for a number of years, and I watch, and I, I see you know, the GP side. You know, they're falling asleep while the desert guys are getting trophies, and then the desert guys don't, want, don't care about the GP guys getting trophies. And I, I just, I'm like, we got to find some way to make this a little better. So I got kind of this harebrained idea. You know, most of the ideas that I have are harebrained. Good idea. Though. Yeah. It was a good idea. Well, I mean, we'll see. You know, so what we decided to do is we turn, we, we've decided to turn the awards banquet into a ride day. And so I figured the best way we'll just, let's just get it out there. So what we're going to do is instead of uh, renting a, a, a hall where we hand out trophies, we decided to rent Glen Helen. So we've got Glen Helen for the day and it's going to, Instead of being a, you know, just a, where we're handing out trophies, it's going to be a ride day, and each discipline that operates within District 37 is going to, they're going to take on a portion of the day, and they're going to lay out a ride. So the GP side, they're going to lay out, a, you know, a, a GP or a GP of sorts. Um, the Enduro side will lay out something similar to a Sprint Enduro. Um, the Desert side will probably do something that's a little between the both. Um, and so the thought was, and we're still kind of working it out, the thought was, so let's say, for instance, that uh, the first ride of the day would be the the GP guys, and so the GP guys would go do their thing. They would finish, and then they would roll on into the museum, and their trophies would be there, and they could receive their trophies while the Enduro guys were out doing what they were doing, and then that then then they could come do their trophies and so on and so on. If you don't care about somebody handing you a trophy, your trophies are just going to be there. If you want to ride all day, then ride all day. I mean, that's what we do. We ride motorcycles. And this is like the one time a year where you can actually just go ride where it's not competitive. You can just go have fun and ride with your buddies. Or you can ride with people that you don't even know and maybe make some new friends between you know the GP side and the Sprint Enduro side and, and the Desert side. And then, I mean... So we haven't figured out, we're, we're going to charge something to come through the gate, but we're going to give you something in return. We're going to feed you while you're there. 
So when you come through the gate, you'll pay your, your gate fee. We'll give you a ticket. You can eat what, you know, whenever you want. What, what do I get to eat? You don't What's need the food? you don't you don't need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't figured that part of it out. We we're hoping that the, that our our sponsors and vendors would uh, would be proud to be part of it. Um, we're kind of hoping to make it have kind of a Caselli ride day feel. Um, and so you you ride all day. Um, you can stay camping's free. You can stay the night. And we're trying to talk. I mean, you know, Scott's good friends with uh, with Rich Shooter from SRA, and it looks like we've got it worked out uh, that SRA will have a race the following Sunday, so you can stay the night, and then you can go race an SRA race. And if you're a, if you're a local guy, uh, you know, you know, like a, a, and a lot of the GP guys are. I mean, SRA SRA is just like just got such a super cool vibe, and and I mean, Rich and Kathy are just like they're they're the nicest people. And if we can introduce SRA to a couple more riders from district and maybe some SRA, SRA guys who might not you know, know anything about district, not want to race district, get a chance to race with some district guys that are there as a carryover from the awards banquet, um, you know, it just helps everybody. I mean, it's, again, we're, we're about West Coast racing, not just, you know, specifically District 37. So Yeah, and, and I know, you know, you're watching this and you can, you can see the District 37 stuff in the club. The club logos and everything, but this this show and this podcast is not just about District Thirty Seven or NGPC. It's it's about West Coast Off Road, which sure. again would include you know the National Hare and Hound Association works, um, SRA, you know our REM races at Glen Helen on Saturday. Um, I don't know if you I don't know if you noticed it. Or you saw, but Craig McCall standing here in front of us. He is. He's giving, um, he had, he's, he had he's a pretty good day right today. Uh, he has a pretty good day every day. Yeah, I mean life's life's <laughs> not for him, but. Um, you know, it's it's about promoting that. So you know, and and along those lines, and I know we're gonna we're gonna talk to to Johnny and, and his group, but you know, big shout out to Jacob Argerite, National Hair Now Pro Champion. Absolutely, um, that's that's a pretty big feat. He worked hard for that. Um, it's taken him a long time, but yeah, I mean that that's awesome. So those are the kind of things, guys, that we're gonna you're gonna find from us. You know, over over the next year, and um, just because we're here at the NGPC doesn't mean we're not going to talk about the other stuff. It's just it's just a place that Brian and I are right at, at the most together. So yeah, and this was you know we we're like we said at the beginning of the podcast, we're trying to kind of feel this out and see you know see what works and what doesn't work. You know, very similar to everything else that we do in district. You know, and so what the hope was with the podcast was we we decided we wanted to do it eight times, at least eight times, like how we're doing it right now. Um, you know that happened to coincide with the eight uh, district rounds of the of NGPC um, from a. Did I say it right? Yeah, that's you guys are that's messing twice me, in messing a row, me up so much twice with changing this. And what we're what we're planning on doing is, uh, you know, each round we we're going to broadcast from a from a different uh, pro pit. Um, so we'll get to talk to different the different pro riders. We'll be able to talk about whatever it's happened, whatever's been happening, uh, you know, in in West Coast off road, uh, you know, leading up to that event. And then we're and we're hoping to maybe sprinkle in uh, maybe another one a month uh, just to talk about uh, whatever might be going on, you know, and just kind of see how the whole thing how the whole thing goes. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will come back with uh, the first of the JCR riders that we're going to talk to. So stay right there. Sitting with us uh, as the first uh, first guest from JCR is Preston Campbell. Preston. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. He's very rigid. This is Preston's first interview. I feel I can't. I like. I feel special. This is Preston doing his first interview with us. So Preston, you're coming off like a like a phenomenal season. 
So you secured uh, the Sprint Enduro Championship. I mean, how do you feel about that? I'm pretty uh, happy with my uh, year at the Sprint Enduros this year. I uh, I won every lightweight one double A round at every round, and then uh, I took the overall win at uh, the last round in Anza. Yeah, you were flat moving in that race, without a doubt. So I'm going to ask the question, and I already know the answer. So which was your favorite round? The last round had to be my favorite. It's uh, It was uh, what I was used to riding by my house and stuff, and I don't know, the, the conditions were bitching, and it was, it was a lot of fun. What uh, What were your did you like have some specific goals for 2019? I mean, what were you what were you hoping to accomplish this year? Yeah, I was uh, I was my uh, goals were to race the three uh, series and then uh, hopefully win a championship and uh, win some races. So, I mean, everybody knows you know you know Preston comes from a pretty successful off road racing family. Let me let me ask you this, and I'm sure a lot of people would be curious to know what's what is a day in the life of Preston like when it comes to training and preparing. And I mean, do you have a, a regular job that you're working aside from your racing? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, working part time, and then between that and uh, building my race bikes, uh, I prep them by myself, build the motors, everything, and then uh, before each race to get those ready to go and then try to ride in between that and train is it's busy but it's a lot of fun so we got your bike sitting right behind us if you had if you could give me one word to describe your bike what would it be sexy ding 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 this will mean something later (laughs) awesome so i hear the rumor you're stepping up to the big bike next year yeah uh I uh, finished uh, within the top 10 overall in points at, uh, at Naha this year, and uh, they said you got to bump up to the open class. So I think it'll be easiest to transition if you just go just ra- ride the 450 everywhere. So that's my plan, is to bump up and ride the open class next year. Are you going to ride the RX or the X? Um, I'm going to ride the RX at the Grand Prix and. Uh, Maybe the, some of the sprint enduros, and then out in the desert and Naha, ride the X. So, what's your uh, what's your race schedule look like for next year? Next year, I'm planning to ride the uh, NGPCs, uh, Naha, and and the sprint enduros. So you're gonna try and uh, pull another number one plate on the big bike next year? Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> so, I gotta ask you. So, was this the first uh, purse money that you won? Was it Anza? Uh, no, I won, uh, or I didn't win. I got a few top five overalls this year. I think four of the rounds I was in the top five. So I got uh, the purse money at a few of them. Nice. So for those that aren't familiar with how it is that we run the Sprint Enduros, for years and years we've broken up the, the, pay, uh, the pay schedule between 450 and 250. And, you know, some of the 250 guys, you know, I don't know that there's any benefit between riding a 450 or 250 on some of you know in some of the sprint enduros specifically so we just laid it out so that it was it's just top five you know top five guys are the guys that are getting the purse money so when you're telling me that you're getting you've been earning purse money at all those rounds i mean you're that means that you're beating all the other guys that are on the on the bigger bikes on the on the smaller bike yeah on the sprint enduro the 250 doesn't seem like such a deficit 
because some is real technical and slow so i could hammer those harder than on a 450 and then just do anything i can to uh not lose enough not lose a lot of time across the valleys or in a high speed section to a 450 yeah i mean we've been trying not to have too much too much of that type of stuff that wasn't really the goal of of those races um so what's your what's your input on those types types of races what would you like to see them more like um i like i like the slower more technical ones i don't know i feel like a sprint enduro doesn't need to be fifth gear wide open everywhere but they, they've done a good job of most of the most of the tests have been uh a good mix of technical and flowing flowing tests so i don't i like the uh, slower more technical sections so let me ask you a question so so your plan for next year you're going to do you're going to do naha you're going to race uh ngcp did i say ngpc i gotta look at your hat sorry god can i just say big six <laughs> you're killing me no ngpc I don't know why I'm getting so tongue-tied with you know saying it the right way. And you're going to race sprint enduro. So if we're if we're sitting down a year from now having this conversation, what what would your goals be? I mean, uh, number one plate and all that stuff, or or are you are you kind of looking at it like you have if you get to a certain level in the different series, did you look at that like it's a a success? I mean, yeah, I think uh, next year will be learning a learning year on the 450. Uh, I think it there will be some challenges and stuff to get used to and uh, different riding style and everything on a 450. So I think it'll, it'll be challenging, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Are you planning on changing anything that you do with your training regimen to, to, you know, work on muscling around that bigger bike? Yeah, I, I need to get in the gym and uh, <laughs> work with some weights and stuff to get a little <laughs> stronger for sure. But, uh, just ride ride as much as I can and get used to uh, handling the bike. Okay, so I got I got a question. I mean, I've got I got kids that race. Certainly, they don't race at the at the level that you do. Um, and I and I'm not and I'm not Johnny, but I know how it is when I'm you know when my kids are out racing and you know they don't want to hear anything that it is that I have to say. You know, you've got that whole father son thing going on. Do you find do you find any of that being difficult? Like when you know you and at some point, dad stops being dad and dad's, you know, race manager and or mentor. And, and do you do you find it difficult to to separate that whole that whole part sometimes? Uh, no, not really. It's I don't know. It's been uh, good working with my dad at all the races and everywhere we go. He's always there, just giving me good advice and and uh, smart decisions and good uh race manager and coordinator of pitting and everything so uh it's really good to have him at all the races where would you like to see yourself uh you know five years from now ten years from now what's what are your long-term what are your long-term goals uh my long-term goals are just become a become a champion at all these races and try to figure out how you could uh win Grand Prix, win Heron Hounds, win Enduros, go to ISD, uh, try a bunch of, uh, just do a bunch of disciplines and try to be the best at all of them. And so do you have any bucket list races? Like there's just, 
before I'm done racing, I got to race this race. I got to race that race. Yeah, next year I plan on doing ISD, trying to qualify and go over to Italy. So that that's my big goal right now. That's awesome. So that so of all the things you got going on, that's the one thing that would make you the happiest for, for 2020. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd be really happy if I qualified and got to ride a good race over in Italy. Awesome. USA. USA. All right, Preston, you did great. See, it was just it was just that easy. Yeah. Thank you very much for sitting down with us. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with the next JCR rider. Okay, and we're back. We are back with 2018 NGPC champion Trevor Stewart. I see I said it right. How we doing? <laughs> yeah. How we Trevor, doing? Trevor, thanks thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Okay, so Dude, you've had like an incredible season, past couple seasons. So, you know, last season, I mean, you know, going in and clenching the number one. We don't want to talk about this season or, or we can, <laughs> yeah, whatever, no, whatever absolutely. you want to talk I'm, about. I'm an open book for sure. Uh, it's just how it goes. It's it's racing dirt bikes in general. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm open. I'm open for a, for a good conversation with you guys. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're here, last round of the, uh, the 2019 NGPC series, like you said. Did it, did it last year and just kind of same mentality going into it this year. I think just maybe a little bit better, honestly. Maybe uh, hopefully a little bit more uh, experienced and just uh, ready, to, ready to go do the thing. So, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I mean all you got, you just got to go do your thing tomorrow and, and, then, and then that number one plate, you know, it stays, stays right where it's at, you know, right here in, in Honda Pits. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Like you said, that's, that's the goal. Uh, I mean, we've... We've worked very hard all year uh, for this and um, just honestly just been having a lot of fun in, in general, just riding a dirt bike and just, uh, yeah, just living life to, to the fullest at, at my age. I just turned 22 years old last week. So, uh, yeah, just, man, just a dream come true, really. Uh, honestly, just keep to hope to keep, you know, just striving forward and just have bigger and greater goals and just get more get more things done. So, yeah, yeah. we uh we talked about that earlier and it, and it's uh, it it stuck with me the the comment that you made you know that it's it's all about having fun you know of course you want to ride fast win races but you made the, you made the comment you know, if i wasn't having fun i i would be doing something else yeah and i think that's just it's such a it's a perspective that you have towards racing that a lot of guys don't have you know that have gotten to the level that you're at there's the pressure just crushes them and and i think you know it's it might be a huge part of why you've been so successful is that you're able to kind of take it and, and look at it like that. Right. You know? Right. I, I think, I think it, it could be a, a number of reasons, you know, but I think as well as, uh, I think maybe it could be a, a way of coping with, uh, the stress, you know, and, and just, uh, honestly, yeah, just having, having fun. I mean, that's obviously why, uh, you know, you started riding a motorcycle, myself, Scott here. Uh, I mean, that's that's why we all do it, you know, and, and that's that's what this really is all about. It's just really having a having a good time. But at the at the same time, uh, as far as that goes, it's um, I, I learned that, you know, to to be successful, like, you're really going to have to put in so much work and maybe not as much as I had uh I had planned on, I guess, early on in, in my career, but man, now that I've, now that I've been doing it for, uh, this is my third year in the, in the, in the pro class and on a 450. So, or coming up on it, I think, um, either way. Yeah. Just, I'm starting to kind of 
get more so the gist of things and uh, just, I guess, understand racing a little bit better. But just, yeah, it always falls back on just having a good time and having fun. I mean, we do race off-road. Um, it's just more so I think everybody's uh, that races off-road or knows about off-road, it's kind of more so known as like the uh, more like laid-back style of racing a dirt bike. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's just having a good time with my buddies and being able to uh, hang out and get my work done throughout the day and then just relax and hang out. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that. I mean, you've had a couple of years of riding as a riding as a pro, so I'm sure that you've, I'm sure it had to be like overwhelming when you first started and now you've probably settled into a routine of what it is you do every day. Well, take, t- take me through a typical day in the life of Trevor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, first and foremost, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I I have a trainer now. Um, her name is Carrie Shear. She runs the grindstone compound and she's had, uh, she's had many a riders. She's had, she's had many, she's had many riders come uh, in and out of her doors, uh, for many years at the facility. And, uh, man, she's gnarly. Uh, it's huge. So having her behind me and, uh, I mean, with the, I think she's going on, uh, man, like 18 or 19 years now of, of oh, doing wow. this. Yeah. Uh, man, such, such an early lady. Um, her name's, uh, uh, her nickname's the general. So you can just, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's gnarly. Uh, definitely. I, I never would have thought I'd be in the position I am now, uh, with fitness and stuff like that. But, uh, she's gotten me to where I'm at and my trainer that ended up moving to the East coast at the beginning of this year, he put me where I'm at now. But, um, I mean, as far as that goes, um, I, I mean, a daily, uh, schedule, uh, I wake up in the morning, I, I go for my run, I come back, eat, eat breakfast and, uh, head onto the track either. I mean, lately I've been doing a lot of like rough track riding, which has been so good just because the, the dirt has been unreal up in the high desert and just kind of all my off-road, just rough, just real crappy tracks. Um, they've been so good. So I just been doing a lot of that. Haven't really gone to the a dirt bike track in a, a little bit of time now, but I mean, yeah, riding, as far as riding goes, I do, it, it just varies from like what the day is or if I had a race that weekend, but if, as far as it's like a training day, it's like a, usually like a 20 minute warm up, and then like, <laughs> I mean, depending on if Carrie wants to kill me that day or not, it'll, she'll have me do like 240s or uh, 235s with sprints after that, and just, yeah, just, uh, and then after that, I, I go home, uh, maybe sneak in a little cat nap or something, <laughs> wake up, uh, drink a cup of coffee and try and wake up again and then go to the gym. And, um, just depending on what she has us doing that day. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's tough. It's, it's really difficult and, uh, mentally, uh, mentally draining, physically draining. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you get home and it's, it's like you're working a normal job, but, um, you know, obviously it's not. So, uh, just, yeah, uh, I really enjoy it. I enjoy being put under like extreme amounts of, <laughs> I guess, pain and suffering throughout the week, because I know, uh, when I show up here, uh, I'm, I'm going to succeed and that's the biggest thing. So, uh, so yeah, it's, I guess a normal day in my life and, uh, yeah, just mountain biking, road biking, running, training in the gym, just, yeah, but I try and elevate it. I try and I, I'd like to think that I work the hardest, but someone's always trying to replace myself or any of the top guys. So I know everybody's working hard and that's kind of what keeps me motivated. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's a crazy day, right? <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, dude. I can't. I can't imagine myself doing <laughs> what you do, but um, it, it, we 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 all know that's important, right? But what most people can't see here on this podcast is the things that are going on around us here right, right. now. Um, you know, you've got you've got a huge support system here. You know, your mom and yeah. dad are are here all the time. Um, if you guys don't show up to the races and see it, but how important is it for you? I mean. You, they're making dinner for you right now. They're yeah. making sure everything. As, as the we're team, talking, yeah, yeah. They're, they're eating. Um, your mechanics over there. He's, I think, on his third plate uh, gauge. But yeah. um, <laughs> how important is it for you to have the support system around you, and how much does that make a difference for you? Uh, it makes it's everything. It really it makes all the difference in the world. Um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without. Uh, my like core inner circle of people that I have because um, as you guys know this what we do is very dangerous comes with a lot more than a lot of people probably realize and uh, just having those people around is I mean obviously my, my parents are just my number one supporters and have my back through through it all you know they've been with me through the lowest of lows and the highest of highs and so uh, having that, obviously, uh, you know, with that being said, it's just, it, it's huge. It, it really makes a difference for me and uh, really kind of pushes me, I think, throughout the week. Uh, like you said, with, you know, everybody not really being able to see, I mean, everybody sees what, what we do at the races, but nobody sees the, you know, the, the, the work that, that goes on behind it. So we're all able to, uh, I guess, put on a good show for everybody. And, uh, yeah, it's it's huge, and I would not be able to to do what I do on a normal daily basis without without my parents and uh, my friends and just like my close inner group of circle, like just just my close friends and just uh, just always keeping it kind of lighthearted and just uh, mostly mellow, but knowing that like at the end of the day we are working so hard and we are putting the work in because um, you know we got a number one plate on the motorcycle, we we're backed by a you know, a huge company like Honda and it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a big deal, I guess, at the end of the day. I, I don't like to think of it like that just because, uh, I guess it's just not my way of, uh, thinking about things, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's huge. So, I mean, uh, with, with that being said, you know, just, just working really hard and, and, uh, being able to come home to, to mom and dad and, uh, have, have their help and support and just, yeah, huge. I mean, yeah, because this isn't, this isn't just, this isn't just you throwing your bike in the back of your van no. and driving here and showing no. up. I mean, there's there's a whole lot more involved and a and a huge support staff here. So yeah. it's like a is it does it feel like a comfortable place? Like you show up at the track and you're like, all right, cool, everybody's here. I got all my people around me. Cool. Now I could just focus on what I have to do, right? And just get my job done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. As far as like race weekends go, it's it's uh it's it really is a like a family affair my whole team is like a family to me my my mechanic and and johnny and his family and preston like we're all obviously we're all working for uh you know working with each other uh to get the the best results out of one another so just to be able to have them and and kind of just spitball ideas off of each other and uh, i mean we're all i think we're all pretty good on a dirt bike in in our own senses and in our own ways and uh we all can always learn from each other which is huge but um along the lines of yeah like being comfortable uh having like you said my people around it's huge it it really is it it may it does make the difference for me and i think it has uh put me obviously into the position that i am now uh with racing and just life in general so yeah awesome so 
You know, we're, we're on the you're our current champion. We're on the eve of the last round. Yes, and sir. You're going into that with a points lead. Um, I know you rode today. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I think can, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think double A is kind of your practice, get everything tuned in and all that stuff. Yeah. Talk about talk about the course today. I mean, I watched you ride. Talk about this place, Havasu. It's it's unique. Yeah. Um, it's sandy. It's rocky. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Absolutely. Talk about what you saw today. What what you feel like when you're riding today? Yeah. So I mean, Havasu in general has such a huge like. Uh, a huge impact i think on off-road racing in general uh going back you know uh 10 years ago and, and stuff like that just the names that have come across this place and in off-road racing and just how truly gnarly of a track this this place can get um is is huge it's like a it's like a landmark in in uh in racing dirt bikes so showing up here especially having it be the last round is uh always uh i guess puts some sort of mental strain on you i mean i don't really come from a sand background which is uh you know 95 percent of this track is just gnarly beat up and just deep sand and so uh yeah but i mean today i, I kind of this whole year i think i've come in with a different mindset and just a different mentality of how to just kind of cope with uh cope with a track like this and just rough tracks in general and it's just you gotta just you gotta do it you know everybody's everybody's hurting everybody's huffing and puffing so i just hopefully can can be the guy that's uh suffering but you know uh uh hopefully up front but uh yeah as far as the track goes it should be really good uh it's a little bit tight technical this year uh i wasn't really expecting that when i was uh when i was doing that double a race um it, it's, it should be interesting, honestly. It, it should be, uh, I think, a closer race than years past uh, with how the course is set up and uh, with the weather that we have here in December. I mean, you really can't beat it. It, it, should, it should be a really good race tomorrow. I think the track always usually shapes up better on, on Sundays as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see when the, when the gate drops tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, just excited to get the thing going and uh, hopefully do good. So, last question: What uh, what are your plans for 2020? Got anything specific? Uh, anything beyond what it is you, that you're currently doing? I mean, uh, something a greater goal than than chasing that number one plate right, bucket list races you're hoping to do, or is it, you going to stick to the the plan of the of the NGPC and 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 roll that road? Um, honestly, I. As as far as what we know right now, we're we're going racing on motorcycles. We're we're gonna be here next year, um, and that's and that's uh, obviously the biggest thing. So, uh, other than that, might do a couple other series. We might do the work series, um, but uh, along the lines of racing motorcycles in general, um, my goals and aspirations are to just get that much better and uh, have that much more fun riding and uh, just honestly have a really good time i i got a two-stroke that i'm building right now gonna do some uh one-off two-stroke races i hope to kind of just show up on what looks to be like an old beat-up honda two-stroke and have it be a sleeper and hopefully go go kill it at like the two-stroke national and stuff like that but uh yeah maybe uh, i've never done i've never done like mammoth or anything like that i kind of want to go i kind of want to go do that i'd pretty good on a moto track so i think i could do i think i could do some damage there and uh but yeah honestly um with that being said uh just 22 years old 
going into the next year, just going to have some fun and, uh, man, hopefully just do some damage racing here. And, uh, honestly, I really want to do good at, at works. If we end up doing that, I've never had good luck there for some weird reason, I guess maybe it's just my comfort level at, at the district 37. Cause I've grew up racing here. Um, but man, I just, I would really like to go do, do some work over there and, uh, man, just really stay busy and, uh, and uh have some fun i think i just took a little bit too much time off this summer is man it's just kind of bonkers so yeah yeah we're just gonna have some uh have some fun and uh yeah enjoy riding a, a, a jcr honda and uh just go do the thing yeah trevor thank you very much for sitting yeah, down with us absolutely hey, good luck tomorrow thank you we're Brian. all pulling for you thank you thank you I, mean, I appreciate for it for those of uh listen we got we got some history i go back with his dad <laughs> over 30 years We've been watching Trevor race since well, he was shorter than this table. So it's uh, th this right here. This is just this is District Thirty Seven. I mean, you grew up in District Racing District. It's, First uh, race, yeah. yeah. First race was at uh, District Thirty Seven. I believe I was was four years old. Four years old at at, uh, at Gorman. So yeah, uh, here I we <laughs> here we are. Uh, eight, Eighteen years later, um, yeah, still doing the same thing. Still having fun. So that's great. Yeah, awesome. Well, sweet. Okay. Good luck. Your mom's got dinner. Yeah, I'm gonna go eat. Okay. Mom's gonna mom's gonna kill me. And we'll be right back with Tara Geiger. <laughs> Tara Geiger. We could talk about all kinds of all of her accomplishments, but let's start with the number one plate that you sealed up two races ago. Uh, yeah, I think so. But first, I have to like compliment you guys. These microphones are nice. Last interview I did, this was full of like it was a fluffy, hairy one. It's nice, hairless. Top of this mic, it's pretty nice. That was impressive. That was impressive. But yeah, I clinched it at uh, Ridgecrest, which was nice because I had to miss Gorman going to six days. And um, here, unfortunately, I won't be riding because I got an injury at six days. And I tried to ride today, but it just wasn't happening. So, so what you're saying is your bike is free to be ridden tomorrow. It is. Huh. And it's a pretty Where's fresh Johnny? bike, too. Where's Johnny? Yeah. Johnny, can I ride the bike? Yeah, that's that's not happening. You don't ride anymore. No, remember? I didn't even bring any gear. Yeah. So, so you gave us the, you just like totally set us up for the perfect segue. <laughs> Let's talk about ISDE. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, uh, for the women to win in our third year going, um, the team stepped up. Brandy Richards stepped it up for us. Amazing. And then Beck and I just kind of were, um, I guess, the anchors. I guess not in a bad way, but you know, anchor in a good way. Right. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and then the men's trophy team brought it home as well. So it was super fun. And the club team, like, it was just America all over the place. Can you kind of explain, like, what that format's like? I mean, it's, I mean I'm not familiar with, like, the day-to-day -day of what it is you guys do. Just kind of run through that whole thing. Um, yeah, so it's six days of racing, five days. It's um, eight hours of the day. I think we average, like, 170 miles a day. So oh, wow. it'll be just a big loop. And I think it was anywhere from an hour to, like, an hour and a half transfer. And then you get time stages in that. And those time stages are their time. So that's how you, like, you know, you decide who wins and stuff. And, um, yeah, so you do that for five days. And usually I think we do, like, I think we're doing seven time stages a day. And uh, the last day is motocross. So it's pretty easy after five days of trying to get through everything. And then... Um, you have to stay on a certain minute. So you're like, you get uh, a time card at the beginning of the day and you pretty much have to
go through a time check on that minute all day. And, uh, and that's how you stay at zero time for the transfers. Do people actually hour out at that, at that level? Um, yeah, because they have a lot of club teams. So I don't think trophy riders are houring out unless they have a mechanical. Because um, you get stuck at a service trying to fix something. Um, I think it almost happened to Caleb Russell this year. He uh, came into one and they realized he had a crack sprocket. And uh, he didn't have time to fix it at the time check before he went through the time check. I mean, at the service check. So they gave him like all the tools he needed because you're not allowed to get outside help or outside parts once you're out of the service check. So rode through on his minute so he didn't lose any time there and then found like a cement wall to put his bike on and took the tools they gave him and uh, yeah, just went to changing it. And then had to pretty much GNCC race his way to the next time check to not oh, wow. lose. Because he took him like eight or nine minutes to do that. So, yeah. It, yeah. It's it was, it was pretty crazy. I don't, I don't know if you saw his I, no, post, I didn't, but I didn't literally he had his bike. It looked like it was up on a like a planter. Like, yeah, like, like a, a park bench a or something. Weird. And he's just hammering away at whatever tools they gave him to get everything fixed. Pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, it was kind of unfortunate, too, because... Uh, Usually we have impact drivers and stuff that make it easy because I, I don't know how you guys change drivers, but I use an impact driver to get them off. But um, the van, that van at that service check didn't have an impact driver, so you had to do everything just ratcheting every bolt oh, off wow. them. So it took an extra time doing that. But, yeah, he, he's a professional. He made it work. So um, so you can hour out. Now it's only 30 minutes to be out of the race. If you get to your minute, like your time check, 30 minutes late, you're, you're done. done. You're, go just go home what's the what's the support system for you guys like there i mean is there is there like a like team usa there backing you or are you backed by a, by by the factory or how's that work um no actually ama they have an amazing uh thing set up uh anti callinan helped without a ton and uh yeah it's an amazing so many volunteers we definitely are the biggest like group team there i think besides maybe the home country um but yeah, there's, I don't know how many club teams, which are three riders a piece, and then the three trophy teams, and the mechanics, and people, we have a kitchen, so once we get in from racing, we can go straight to, like, our little cafeteria and eat, like, they're serving food, and then at all the time checks, like, they have water and snacks, and it's a full-on deal. I think it's, like, 140 Americans go wow. to support the team, so it's rad, it's I think it definitely is like the team. I feel like for that race, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for you. I, I can see that you've got the hairless mic, and I'm listening to you guys talking. Obviously, I did not get the massive one, um, but that's okay. But let's let's talk about the life of the life of Tara Geiger. I mean, I, I follow you, and 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 if you guys aren't following her, you should because her <laughs> daily life is nothing like what what I have for sure. It's definitely not what Brian has, but. You know, what a week or so ago you were mountain biking, helicoptering in Utah, I think, and then there's snowing at your house, and mm. you and, and your husband Dusty are, are snowboarding down some hills, the little hills, and and so tell 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 us about what it's like. What what's a day in the life of you when you're not when you're not racing when you're outside of that? Um, shoot, I don't know. It's always something different. Um, that trip in Utah was actually a shoot for Giant Live Mountain Bikes, so. Um, it was actually one of the kids who's been on Nitro Circus forever. It's his new production company, and he just knows these brothers in Utah that own helicopters, and they just like, we want to 
do helicopter stuff. And it was like the funniest thing sitting at the dinner table with them and they're talking about like their life with helicopters. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. But um, yeah, so that was that. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're always trying to be entertained because he does stuff for Nitro Circus. So he's, if he's not working, he's just at home. If he's not on tour, he's at home or um so if I'm not racing, I'm at home. So we just kind of keep busy. And uh, we live in Bend, Oregon, which just has a ton of stuff to do. And uh, we got a bunch of snow, and we were just going down one of his big jumps, the landings, and um, trying to ride our e-bikes around in, like, a foot of snow. <laughs> uh, just trying. I think we just have a tension deficit or something. Like, we just get <laughs> bored inside. Oh, I, I wouldn't call it boredom. I, I mean, I, I don't think you sit on the couch ever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's it's fun to watch. So oh, keep, keep helicoptering, keep riding e-bikes in the I would love to keep helicoptering. And, and, um, and then I know Johnny was telling me that. So something about uh, a rocking horse that the Dusty's backflipping. So tell us a little bit about what he does. Um, yeah, so he's been on tour with Nitro Circus since the beginning, their live show, and I think it's going on like 10 years now, and he helped actually develop it and stuff, and one of the things was contraptions going down the big, like, mega ramp, they call it Giganta ramp, it's like you see in X Games, like the big, giant ramp that's like 40 feet tall or something, and um, one of the things, yeah, he does a rocking horse, which I thought it should have been a hairless rocking horse, but it wasn't, it's a normal rocking <laughs> horse, but. Um, so he does that. He does a, uh, land boogie board, which nobody else can do. Cause I think one guy tried to do it when he was hurt and he almost killed himself. So is he, is he doing the boogie boards off those massive yeah. ramps? Mm -hmm. uh, that's <laughs> Which is like caster imagine. wheels that are just set and he, yeah. And he goes down head first down this You like, wipe out like ramp. that, you're just straight slap happy. I don't even get it. <laughs> no, he, ridiculous. He's been slap happy a few <laughs> times after hitting that landing. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't know. So he started in pit bikes and then went to Mini Moto in Vegas and did some backflip, I guess, and some gold sparkly shorts, no shirt. And just the Nitro guys were like, we need this guy. And they flew him out. That was when it was just like a TV show and videos. And that's how he got into it. And he's like one of the main guys for like the last 10 years in it. Yeah, I, I, I watch it pretty often. There's some crazy stuff that goes on there. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, your life is definitely not boring. So good for you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Your background is just so completely different than anybody else that's racing in, in off-road. I was joking with you earlier that, like, you're the you're the most famous person racing off-road that no one talks about. I just don't even, I don't even get it. You've got, like, more accomplishments than, than anybody else that's racing, you know, in our in our little fishbowl, you know, period. Uh, yeah. I think I kind of did it Mike Brown style where I like did the yeah. motocross thing, um, did X Games, and then I was like, well, I'm bored with riding tracks in a circle. Like, I want something new, and it was just something challenging and exciting. And um, after a couple of years, yeah, I got linked up with JCR and Johnny, and um, it just made it so fun that I just I haven't been able to pull myself away and retire yet. Just been too good. <laughs> so, I mean, you're just doing – you're just doing the the Grand Prix type stuff. Are you you have any intention of doing any of the like Heron Hound stuff or? Um, the Heron Hound kind of scares me mainly just the start. Yeah, but uh, oh, the bomb's crazy. Yeah, I guess if I could just get through that first lap and then actually start running, because I know that uh, that's like more of the sketchy part. But I also grew up practicing what I was gonna race and then racing it and doing stuff blind always scares yeah. me. Yeah. Like, um, 
I think that's where like Brandy Richards would always get me racing because she grew up doing that and she's like really good and six days like I'd walk like test four times and she's like ah oh, twice as good I'm better riding and not knowing where I'm going yeah. I'm like hey works for you you go fast whatever but I'm yeah. like I'm gonna keep walking it yeah, Brownie came to a, a SoCal Heron Hound a National Heron Hound that we put on it's like this massive 120 mile race that we had and we were like so stoked that he'd come out he was gonna he wanted to try a heron hound and uh so he ran the bomb a couple of times and i remember going over and talking to him like oh my god mike brown's at our race you know and i'm like so what do you think he's like, i think you guys are nuts and he <laughs> the banner dropped he took off and he wound up he crashed he broke something and I saw him after the race. He's all, this is just ridiculous. There's no reason that anybody should ever go that fast when you can't see. You know, he just wanted, had no interest in what it was that we were doing. And it's, I've heard so many comments from, from like other, like big name pro riders. I mean, they're, I mean, they're legit pros and they come and they do this and they're like, you guys are just stupid for doing that. I don't know why you would ever do that. Definitely. I think it's just what you're used to. Like you'll take a yeah. hair and hound guy, put him on a super cross track and they'll be like, no way. Uh, yeah. Why would you? No, <laughs> right, there's no place to land yeah. your bike. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so I think it's all relative, and I don't know. I think I'd be getting into it. I'd be too old. I'd just be over it. Like, if I was 22, maybe I'd want to learn it, but I'm in my 30s, and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so you got. I might show up at one next year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Brandy Richards, that was your cue <laughs> to extend a massive invitation to her <laughs> right? to do a hair and hound or a national hair and hound next year. <laughs> So you got a, you have a ton of accomplishments on a dirt bike. Is there something that you haven't done yet that you like? It's you're like, man, I want to, I want to try this, or I, I'm hoping to accomplish that. Um, in terms of what's open to women and racing, I think ISD was the last thing. Like, I know I'm not going to win the overall. Like, those girls are really fast. Brandy was really close this year, and um, she just got B. I think if there wasn't one day we had a really, really muddy test, and the other girl was just way better in it. I think she would have got it this year, but for me personally, I know that that's out of reach already, and I'm okay with that. So I think, yeah, with six days and then winning another national championship, which I haven't done in a long time, um, yeah, I don't know. Unless new stuff became available, that's kind of, right. you know, I'm, I feel like six days was like the last thing I wanted to check off before I was like, okay, now I don't really have any regrets if I were to stop riding now. What do you see yourself doing when you when you decide that hey you know what I'm 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 kind of done racing professionally? Oh, I think it would just be have kids <laughs> and then get them started doing something yeah. and then you know follow them through it. <laughs> Plans for 2020? Um, be back racing in the number one plate with JCR and uh, do some more of the sprint stuff. I enjoyed that. Uh, just go out now. Last year I was working or this year I was working really hard for six days and. Um, next year, just try to enjoy it more, probably. Maybe do a hare and hound. Who knows? But uh, definitely back for the Grand Prix. And, uh, yeah, just kind of float around and see what I want to do. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a great plan. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> do what I want. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, and congratulations on your number one plate. And uh, we look, we really look forward to seeing you seeing you back next year. And Thank you. And excited to see whatever uh, whatever the future holds for you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Terry. We'll be right back with the legend, Johnny Campbell. And we are back. We are, we are lucky enough to be sitting down with 11-time Baja 1000 champion, Johnny Campbell. 
uh, team owner, JCR Honda. Uh, just all around cool dude. We're lucky enough to be sitting down with him. Johnny, thank you very much for, for sitting down with us. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you so much for, uh, for doing this in our pits. It was really awesome. Seriously, I mean, in all the interviews you've ever done, have you ever had such a filthy introduction? <laughs> never, never. Usually it's kind of like a little fluffy type style. Gotcha. But this is definitely filthy. The two of you are so deep right now. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> so we, uh, there was a whole reason why we wanted to sit down with, the, with your riders before we sat down with you. And we were kind of talking about it a little, a little earlier um, that... The, the people that ride for you, they, they just, it's like they're, they're learn. I mean, they just, they've got it figured out. They're, they're learning how to be a professional rider. And, and clearly that, that comes from you. And it's, you see so many different people that are out there, they're racing, they're trying to get to that level, but it seems like, you know, the, the riders that are riding for JCR and, and, you know, through your mentorship ha really have got it figured out with how to be a, how to be a pro. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about, like, how was it when you when you transitioned from being from going from racer to team owner to, to mentor? Was it something that like you you put a lot of thought into? Hey, you know, I really want to sit back and I want to try and, and mentor you know some young riders, or was it just something that kind of kind of came natural as the riders were coming along? You guys kind of evolved together. Well, Brian, I think that uh, a lot of my past history helped evolve to that point. And being that I was a subject of a mentorship under Bruce Ogilvie, uh, off-road legend, Baja winner, um, it was, Bruce was very calculated and very smart. He had a memory like a steel, steel trap. Um, and for over 17 years, I was under his mentorship. And so I'm a product of, of that guidance. And so really the, the thing I can say about uh, that is that I was, that was, that's how I was taught to react and taught to be. And, and when, I, when I first started riding for Bruce in 92, it was, even then it was like, Bruce was like, this kid's got something. And at some day he's going to be the boss. And... So taking that heritage and that Honda heritage, which was always a, Honda was always very key in building champions. You got guys like Ricky Johnson, Jeremy McGrath, David Bailey, kind of little known guys at one time, and they took them and built them into a champion. And that's how Johnny Campbell came through the Honda system. So that's my education. And that's what I know. And so that's what, how I try to apply all my tactics in my leadership and management moving forward. And that's who I am. And whether it fits today's type of training and, or environment or not, that's who I am. And that's how I'm going to continue to build my team and build these, these kids and, and young riders with passion into a champion. Well, I mean, it obviously it works. I mean, your fingerprints are all over the, you know, multiple championships, not, not just yours, but I mean, you know, 
after tomorrow, you've got three bikes sitting behind you that have got number ones on them. And, and then we got another rider, you know, who's going to, you know, take off to go to Dakar and fingers crossed, he's going to yeah. be able to seal the deal there. Yes. And I mean, and that's just, that's just such a huge accomplishment. It's just, it's a testament to, to your professionalism and what you've been able to, to pass along to the, to the kids that ride for you. I mean, we, we were talking earlier about, you know, Ricky and like Ricky's, you know, progression as he's evolved into the rider that he is now. And, and that doesn't happen without uh, your, your tutelage. Um, can you tell us a little bit? I was, I was like, the, I want you to tell me a story again about Dakar because I was like, I had no idea. So can you talk a little bit about what your involvement is with, with Ricky and just like that whole process of when they go there and, and everything that has to happen for him to be successful? Yeah, the, the Dakar Rally Project is, is a, a really involved project. I mean, it's, it's not just, hey, I'm going to go race this race on the weekend and show up and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, Dakar starts when the previous one finishes. And so what that means is we got riders to build, uh, riders to mentor, bikes to uh, test, develop, durability test and so it's a it's a year-round annual project that that keeps going and is evolving and so you know it starts like say in Ricky's case he was he's a highly talented rider you know he can go fast across the desert you know but one thing when when riders are introduced to rally there's a lot more to it than than following the ribbon or or navigate or just you know, riding across the desert fast. You have to navigate, and and there's no course markings. There's no GPS track log. You know, navigating and riding at a speed, say, these guys ride at in Baja or uh, National Hound Hound, and finding your way, not following ribbon or arrows, that is that is something that takes a lot of practice, and not everybody can do it. You know, it's very difficult. And so you take a guy like Ricky Brabeck, who has a lot of experience in desert racing um, in the U.S. or Baja, and you throw him into rally, and, and it's kind of like you're still, you're kind of like a lost puppy at first. And so it helps when you have people surrounded, you know, you surround yourself with, like myself and Jimmy Lewis, guys that have been to Dakar in the old days, guys that, you know, understand uh, the philosophy of how to navigate a rally, you know. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to come into rally racing in the mid-90s through uh, the Nevada rally. Um, you know, Ogilvy said, hey, we got a, a bike here, why don't you come do this? And I didn't know anything about navigation. And that first year I rode it, I was totally lost and everything. And then the next year we practiced, we dialed it in, I won the race. And then, you know, later on I progressed that and I, I had the opportunity to go to Dakar uh, through Franco Acherby's, of, of Acherby's uh, plastic. And, you know, at that time, Jimmy Lewis was also a factory BMW rider. And so we practiced together, we, we developed our, our craft together and now, you know, now we are both training Ricky Brayback and mentoring him on how to navigate, how to train, how to eat, how, you know, how to talk and, and speak and, and do interviews and everything. And so it, it's like a whole encompassing thing to take 
take a, a guy like Ricky, who, who was a little known rider, and build him into a champion and build him, you know, God willing, into the next Dakar Rally champion. Uh, yeah, I know. We I know that he's got such a, a huge following from here in, in District 37. It's, uh, I mean, we can't wait for him to go back. Everybody's pulling for him. We were all heartbroken for him, you know, last year. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's just the effort that everybody puts into the to the whole program. I mean, the effort that you put into to training and mentoring these young riders so they can go on to be, you know, not just good professionals, but just good humans all, all around. You know, it's yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. So I know that you've got some stuff that's that uh, you're doing uh, beyond just two wheels. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, um, I've uh, since I uh, stopped my professional career as as an off road racer, and now I I mentor you know guys coming up on two wheels. Um, I do a lot of testing for Honda, Honda R and D, and then also you know my part of my interest is also moving into four wheel off road racing, and so I've I've had the opportunity a couple years to race with uh, the factory Honda team in the Ridgeline with Jeff Proctor. Um, that was awesome, and then this year we actually, uh, uh, with in conjunction with Cameron Steele's group, we did uh, a Ford Bronco and uh, the Ford Bronco at the thousand this year, and you know, so it's fun for me. The like, you know, I remember being on the start line in Baja and just feeling that anxiousness, that all those pressures and stresses, and like it's the most exhilarating thing to to take off on the starting line in Baja and just feel that release and go, okay, it's up to you to make good decisions to get this thing to the finish line. Um, you know, all sorts of perilous things happen in Baja. It's like, you know, you, know, you, you, can, you can drive from your home to your work and back home again and feel pretty safe generally. That's kind of like a comfort zone. But like, and you... And you might have a scary moment once in a while on the freeway, but generally in the, like in the Baja 1000 or something, you have like a, uh, a near death or crash experience like every mile. So, <laughs> so feeling that, that, uh, that exhilaration and having that, um, you know, although that excitement is really fun. And I miss that not being like on the forefront of, of racing, you know, like I was in Baja for Honda and stuff. And uh, so now, you know, for me to be able to get in a four-wheel vehicle, you know, at, at 49 years old is like, it feels so good just to like race again right. to like your fullest. So it's, it's pretty incredible feeling and, and uh, I want to keep doing it. I mean, how, you've got so many irons in the fire. I mean, how do you, how do you manage your time with all that? It's got to be insane. <laughs> One, I have an, an incredible wife. You know, Faye is, is we, we grew up as kids together going to dirt bike races with our, our parents. And then we started dating at a young age. And then, you know, we got married young. And so she grew up in an off-road racing environment. And, and, and she gets it. And so with trying to make ends meet and, and, and do what we want to do and do you know, live the life that, that God intended us to live is like, we want to race, we, whether it's two wheels, four wheels, all off-road, all natural. And ha so having her as a support is like the A number one, you know? 
And uh, so managing it is tricky. You know, you, I have you basically on the, the JCR Honda program, you know, I got my American Honda race team with uh, Grand Prix racing and going into 2020, you know, we may be expanding some of that, uh, doing some hair and hounds or even some works racing. And uh, one thing that we really grew fond of this year was the new Enduro, uh, Sprint Enduro series, you know, which Preston did really good in. And uh, so we liked doing that. And then, you know, I do uh, rally testing and development and rider development for, for the HRC team. Um, some, some of the production uh, development stuff I get to be involved with, with, you know, the product, the Honda product that's come out, the 450L, 450RX, 250RX, uh, 450X, the new generation. You know, I've had the great blessing and opportunity to be involved with those projects uh, coming along. And then, uh, and then on top of that, you know, my, my personal, you know, excitement of being able to jump in a four-wheel vehicle and, and race in Baja. So, I mean, you're, it's, I mean, you're very much a factory effort, but it's very much a family effort. And, you know, I asked Preston earlier, you know, because I've got kids that race too, and, and how that dynamic works. It, do you find it hard for you to, like, to switch hats, to go from, you know, you're his mentor, mentor you're his team manager, but your dad, I mean, it, how, how does that work for you? I mean, is that, do you find that line gets blurred sometimes, or, or, it's, or you guys manage to work that out pretty good? You know, with, with Preston and I, we have a really good working relationship as far as, uh, uh, dad and, and racer. And one thing that I never did with Preston was I never pushed him. I never pushed him into anything he didn't want to do. And I said, Hey, let's try this. Let's try ball. Let's try, you know, this sport. Let's try skateboarding. Let's try motocross. Let him try all everything you like. And wherever his passion landed, that's okay. If you like motorcycles, then that's where you're going to be. And so, you know, and then when Preston was knew that he wanted to ride a lot and now this was his direction you know even as young as like 12 years old i said hey buddy i go i've been working on bikes a long time i said if you want to do this you're going to learn how to work on your own bikes because i don't have time to do all this with all the things i have going i and so i left it up to him to take on that responsibility of of learning how to maintain your bike. We showed him and he grew up in a shop with professional mechanics, professional riders, and he saw the high points, the low points, whatever. But for some reason he has a God-given mechanical ability. And you know, racing this year, he as many races as he did, but it's probably close to 30. He had to build his own motors. He had to, you know, load the truck. He had to plan everything out in order to go to the races and I'm and I'm pretty proud of them because you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of kids that are highly talented on a dirt bike but maybe they don't have a harder passion to to do everything because it was like I I drew the line and said look if you want to do this you got to do it you have to learn how to do it yourself because sometimes dad's not going to be available and so he picked it up and he went for it. And so now he's working at Honda R&D part-time, he's racing part-time, you know, and he's, he's doing a good job. And, um, you know. 
mean, there were, I think there were even some times when he was driving 20 hours to go from wherever he was at to come back to race. So, I mean, he's, he's, had, he's had a really good year. You know, I mean, this yeah. is, I've watched him for the last couple of years, yeah. and I, I think this is the best year I've seen him have, and, and, and maybe it's not, and it's yeah. just me, but this, this, is a, this is a business, right? But, but it's also family business, right? Yeah. Because you got Preston racing. So yeah. do, you, do you find yourself walking around to the side of the trailer because you're, you're not the boss, you're, you're, the, you're the dad, and you're like, <laughs> you know, I mean, is it easy to separate that? Yeah, right. How could you yeah. not? But I mean, is it yeah. easy to separate that? You know, there's nothing fluffy about it. And, and I don't, you know, this is a business and I don't take sides. If he's, if he's not the guy that day or he's not taking time, you know, he's not, then, then it, it's like I don't put pressure on him to do that. I don't, you know, but when he, you know, it's like this last weekend when he went to the Sprint Enduro and just kicked everybody's ass. It's like, I wasn't even there. It's like, he prepped his bike, he put a top end in it, he went there in the box van with his mom. I was down in Mexico with Ricky and, and helping Ricky train because, you know, we have the Dakar rally and that's a very important part of my program. It's like, he, he went up there by himself and he just put his head down and he rides from the heart and that's what, you know, I've, I've showed him how to do. And he won by four minutes in an hour of racing. That's that's pretty impressive. And and, oh, yeah. and, and not just an hour of racing. I mean, it was <laughs> it pretty much poured all day. <laughs> um, it was it was you know, so gnarly. Faye, Faye was yeah. we were out at the finish yeah. of, of test two and the start of test three, and you know she was she was there helping and and I think of all all the races I've seen Preston ride this year, um, I was up in the in the trees waiting for him to come through and. I've never heard anybody ride the rev limiter of a bike <laughs> other than Justin Barsha did. Yeah, yeah. And I could hear, I can't see anything. I'm, I'm in the trees. I can see, I can hear him coming. And that rev limiter is screaming. And then he comes through and I can hear him start test three and he comes into the bushes and you can just see him. That day, that's probably the most I've seen him all in one piece. It's like the yeah. bike and him and everything else was all one. And there was there was no way, I don't think, he thought he was going to be denied that day. Yeah. And then, and then you're not there. So that again, right. You get the call, right. You go, I mean, you're yeah. on the side of the box fan. Woo. Absolutely. You know, I, I was very proud of that moment and I knew that moment was coming. Um, you know, you could watch his progression, especially ever since he broke his femur two years ago. Um, you know, it took a long time for him to get his aggression back and, and, uh, and to start evolving from that. And so now he's, he's evolved from that point to where he was before he broke the steamer. And, you know, and it's funny because, you know, we did GNCC for like five years. And that was a huge learning experience for all of us. And I, you know, it was, it was a challenge because it was so far away and we had to go there and fly there. But those guys are really tough back there. And there's a lot of conditions that... They ride in that the West Coast guys don't even know exist. And so bringing Preston back to some of those races and letting him suffer through that stuff, it made him a better overall rider. And so, you, you know, it's like, it's just like Ogilvy said to me, he said, he said, you're not a six days rider. You're a desert rider. This is like back in the 90s. He goes, 
but I want, I believe in six days in that event. And I want you to go there because when you come away from there, you're going to be a better Baja ra racer. And that was in 1997, August. Okay. 1997, November was my first Baja 1000 win. I didn't lose for nine years and then came back and wow. won two. Ogilvy's a smart guy, you know? And um, so, you know, it's hard sometimes for, for riders to understand suffering and, and in, in personal life even. And so watching Preston suffer at, at Snowshoe GNCC, which is like one of their tougher events that took place at the Blackwater, and, and him going back and doing it again um, makes him a better rider in those conditions. So when, when it rains and gets muddy and it's tight or different conditions on the West Coast, I know he's going to be a, a better rider than the West Coast guys because he went and suffered, you know? And so that's part of the mentality. But even like, for instance, let's take this last week, we did a week of rally training with Ricky Brabeck. And first couple days in Sonora, you know, they were pretty gravy. Yeah, they were good. Then we went and did three days with Jimmy Lewis. And Jimmy kicked our asses. He kicked. <laughs> he put all those guys who, who came to the school, just a few, and Ricky, through the ringers. And, and the navigation was hard. And it was something that Ricky didn't want to do. But you know what? Because he's training harder, he's going to be a better racer at Dakar this year. And that's part of what I try to, to get into my racers is that you train harder than what you're going to race, you're going to be a better racer. And so even though they don't like it, yeah. it's just like we don't, none of us like to suffer. Sure. But it's like training in a gym. Hated it. Hated it. But we're better after we come out, you know. And so that's, you know, I'm, I'm proud of Preston for his grit that he's, he's developed. And, um, you know, I, I know that, that Ricky will get it and Trevor will get it. Tara has it, you know. So she, she's, she's not having to, we don't have to train her. She knows. <laughs> but the younger guys, sometimes they need, to, they need to suffer a little bit and to figure it out, you know. So makes them better, tougher stronger yeah i mean i think i think you have to i think you have to try do stuff you got to work hard and you got to you got to fail if you're going to su succeed i mean you yeah. got to learn from your mistakes and yeah. it's the only way you can get better and you know ricky may not like <laughs> those tougher days but man he'll remember that at yeah. some point in dakar when you know the the road book is hard to read and yeah trails are going off this way and going off that way and people are and he just takes a breath and goes yep yeah. all right here we go and he yeah. ends up in the right direction and and that's what we're all hoping. I yeah. Mean, yeah. That's, that's what we, I mean, that's, that's what our we goal. Want, yeah. I mean, we experience the same thing here with district with everything that we're trying. I mean, we, we, you know, try and fail and try and fail and try and fail with all the different things that we're trying to do. And eventually, you know, we hit something, you know, and it's, I think, I think all that getting knocked down, you know, it's, it's disheartening, you know, it makes you feel bad. You're, you're like trying to do something. You're just like getting kicked in the teeth and then yeah. all of a sudden something works, you know, and yeah. you're like, okay, you know what? It, it can work you know if i keep working at it it can work so it's you know the same same philosophy it's uh but i i, I just i love to see how how your riders are just 
they're like blossoming. It sounds like that's a <laughs> that's a totally deep term right there. <laughs> but I love uh, it. I love but, it. I mean, you know, one, you know, one more thing, just to you know, sing Preston's praises. I I don't think I've that there's been one time that I see him at a race where he wasn't smiling. I just I just <laughs> love that he's just you know he's such a good kid. You know, he's yeah, a, he's a pleasure to watch. Yeah, he's got an infectious laugh. <laughs> yeah. as squirrely as he is, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, and and one thing for me was uh, was really, you know, I've i I spent a lot of time in Mexico. A lot of time down in Baja through my racing career, managing the team to several, you know, wins and victories through the formula that Bruce Ogilvie had, you know, and then going to GNCC, learning from that, learning from all the different conditions and and things back there and the riders and meeting new people. And then really my heart is in the clubs and in district racing and I just want to just say how proud I am to be part of District 37. Um, it's a cl- it's a it's a club-based organization that puts on incredible events through passion. You know, all, everybody here, Brian, Scott, you know, Kurt, and and just multiples of others. I, I don't even all know all the names, but through the clubs. That is a really unique, special type of racing and organization that we do. Even with the water truck, got a water truck rolling by, blowing. (laughs) Hey, we love water trucks. Blowing dust on our equipment. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, so what I'm getting at is, is District 37 is very unique, and I'm so proud to be here and and help out in any capacity that I can, and try to advance and evolve our racing. Just so future generations can enjoy what we have enjoyed. Yeah, what's does it, what's gnarly say? Sharing the stoke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about. I mean, District Thirty Seven. It's it's where legends are made. Yes. Absolutely. So I think I think that's a great place to to end it. I, I got I got one last question. So I mean, we're, we got three of your bikes behind us. You know, obviously one of them is not going to get used tomorrow yeah um it's kind of just sitting there open you know water truck just went by they're out watering so you know unclassified maybe you could do unclassified however you know we water a lot in the morning so unclassified's a little wet and muddy so unless you're scared of getting this jacket filthy maybe we should maybe we should get you on the bike maybe the senior race (laughs) well i i'm not opposed to it but you know you probably got to talk to my boss over there to the left Awesome. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, and we, thank you guys. Thanks for. Yeah. And thank you everybody for watching. Uh, if you enjoyed uh, what you saw on the podcast, click like uh, at the bottom of the page. It should be right there. If you're, if you're on YouTube, like right there. If there's something you'd like to see on, uh, on a, another episode of the podcast or a future episode of the podcast, uh, go ahead and email us at wideopenpodcast at yahoo.com. And as always, we'll see you at the races.